0: If you have less in your closet, if you have less in your dresser drawers, you're gonna have breathing room. Your home is gonna feel more spacious. You're gonna have a smoother every day of getting dressed and picking out things to wear. What you gain by taking back that space, I think is worth more than what you're gaining by hanging onto those old things.
1: Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I've been a minimalist for over 10 years now, but I still find it difficult to part ways with certain items of clothing. Why is this? Will I ever purge those stragglers that have been left behind from years ago? Joining me for a conversation about why editing our closets is so hard is author Laura Fenton. Laura discusses why we find it so hard to declutter our closets, some of these perspectives I honestly had never considered why you should edit your wardrobe, tips to let go, ways to responsibly declutter, and so much more. This is Laura's third time on the show, so I made sure to link the other two episodes in the show notes. And before we get to it, I polled you guys on Instagram the other day, and it sounds like the majority of you are missing the minimalist moment slash resource of the week, so I'm bringing this back this week my resource is somewhat of an oldie. Is 2019 an oldie? It seems like it was long ago, but this book came out in 2019. It's called Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life by Nir Eyal. So this is a comparable book to Atomic Habits, but this one touches on the psychology driving us to distraction. The point is that we'll sit down getting ready to do work, but we get a notification on our phone that interrupts us, or we are at work and the phone not only interrupts us, but once we get back to work, someone comes by for a chat, not to mention at home, we have screens and children interrupting us. But this book really, again, talks about the psychology that drives us to distraction and how we can improve our attention. So again, the book is Indistractable by Nir Eyal. I'll be sure to include it in the show notes. And lastly, before we get to the conversation with Laura, I just want to ask you if you've been listening to the Minimalist Bombs podcast, but haven't yet left a rating and review, it would be so helpful. It takes 30 seconds, but it really benefits me and the show. It helps me bring guests that you want to hear. It helps others find minimalism, simple living, intentional living. And if it's been helpful to your life, why wouldn't you want to share the information? So again, please leave a rating review if you haven't done so yet. I so appreciate it. And with that, let's get into the conversation with Laura. Laura, thanks so much for joining me again on the Minimalist Moms Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. I want to direct listeners. You were actually on two previous episodes, so I want to direct listeners to those. It was episode 174. Helpful hints for living small, and then you joined me on episode 214, the downsides of small space living and solutions for how to tackle them. So again, I'll direct listeners there if they want to catch up on some of those conversations. But today we're going to be talking about why editing our closets is so hard. And I originally saw that you had written this on Substack, loved what you had written, and I wanted to share it with my audience. So before we get into that conversation, why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourself for people that haven't heard us speak before? Sure.
0: Well, I am. The- the author of two books, The Little Book of Living Small and The Bunk Bed Book. And I also have started a Substack as you mentioned, called Living Small, which is all about living in small spaces, but also this bigger idea of having a small footprint, living lightly on the earth, and having a sort of sustainable small life
1: as well. Absolutely. I really love your writing, so I want to direct people over to your Substack. But we are focusing today on why editing our closets are so hard. And I want to know... Why was this something that stuck out to you that you wanted to write about?
0: Well, there was actually a particular incident that prompted me to write about this. I'm a freelance writer, so I'm always doing different gigs, working for different clients. And someone called me and asked me if I would consider coming to work in an office. And the first thing I thought about was like, ooh, office (laughs) clothes. And I'm pretty minimalist when it comes to my wardrobe. I feel like I'm really good about editing. But then when I took a little look in that back section of the closet with my going to work clothes, I was like, oh, I am holding on to a lot of things Mm -hmm. that I haven't worn in a long time and I probably won't wear again. And it really sort of prompted me to like do a deep dive, take a look at like what was in there (laughs) and think about this like a little more deeply. So that's what prompted me to write about it. It's also something I hear from my readers over and over and over again. Like everybody has a hard time with this. Editing or clothes down is just really challenging.
1: Absolutely. And you asked yourself the question, what are these things doing in my closet? And I think we've all had that moment where we go into our closet and we think to ourselves, why do I still have this thing fill in the blank from however many years ago? from pre-baby, from high school, why are these things still in my closet? I think oftentimes sentimentality and maybe just an elevation of who we were in a previous life can be one of the reasons that we hold on to things. But why do you think it's so hard to get rid of clothes? Sentimentality is definitely
0: part of it. I mean, hanging in the back of my closet is my wedding dress, which I most certainly will not wear again. The dress I wore on my rehearsal dinner stuff like that that got an emotional pull. And those are some of the hardest things to let go of. But some of the other reasons, we spent money on Mm -hmm. our clothes. And it's really hard to admit that we wasted our money. That's like a really common one. I feel like it's wasteful for the clothes to be sitting in your closet unworn when somebody else could be using them and enjoying them, whether that's because you donate it or you consign it. That money was wasted when you spent the money. And the way isn't happening when you decide to let go of it and then there's like this other category that is the things we like might wear someday that's also like tied back to this idea of waste you want to like be prepared and you don't want to have to go buy something new which can goes both ways you have to kind of weigh whether it's worth hanging on to it for that maybe someday and then another like (laughs) subcategory of those someday clothes are I feel like we all fall into this trap of keeping things because they're the classics. I've got this like navy blue blazer. Fits me great. This thing is timeless. I never want to wear it. (laughs) And it just hangs in the closet because I think the day is going to arrive when like I should be wearing it. Those are like, I think the big buckets of why it's like not wanting to admit we spent money on something, wanting to be wasteful. And then this hanging on to things for someday. Yes,
1: absolutely. The wedding dress is a hard thing to get rid of. I feel like it was maybe eight years ago I had put my wedding dress up online and I need to go back and redo that again because I actually am pretty detached from my wedding dress. Just because like what you said, I'm not going to be wearing it again. I have photos of me in that dress from that day. My daughter is, I can pretty much guarantee she's going to want her own dress for that day. I know that some people will go back and revitalize their mom's wedding dress, but I don't necessarily want to keep something cluttering up my closet for the that instance that likely won't happen. There's a bit of FOMO, I think, that goes on with saying, if I get rid of this, am I going to miss it in the future? Like you said, with some of these classics, or I don't want to have to rebuy it because I've already spent the money. But I would just pull yourself back from that mindset and consider when has that actually happened? I do this in general with things. When you look at the track record of what your habits are, has that happened? And then maybe make a decision based on that percentage. That sounds kind of nuts, but I actually think it is quite helpful when you look at how what your history is like in some of these areas.
0: Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think another thing that is really helpful is like try to imagine the scenario that you're thinking about, this like someday scenario. Mm -hmm. So for me, that might be like, me getting an office job and needing a whole wardrobe to go to work in. And the truth is like, if that happened, I would probably want new things. I probably wouldn't want to be wearing the like kind of tired old things that I was wearing to the office more than four years ago. And that's true with like any other example of like, maybe it's some kind of like specialized sports stuff that you maybe someday again, are going to use like probably, Probably if you take it back up again, you're going to want fresh new things to like start again with. And this is the question of like, if it's also like making it hard to access the rest of your clothes every day, if it's creating like a feeling of friction in your house that like all your closets are overstuffed, is that worth the like small sum of money you might save by hanging onto it to wear it someday?
1: Absolutely. Okay. So We've been talking a little bit about why editing our closets is so hard, but then in the substack, you go through and you say why you should edit your wardrobe. So what are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, well, this is sort of what I was just touching on. It's like, if you have less in
0: your closet, if you have less in your dresser drawers, like you're gonna have breathing room, your home is gonna feel more spacious, you're gonna just have a smoother every day of getting dressed and picking out things to wear. It's like what you gain by taking back that space, I think is worth More than what you're gaining by hanging onto those old things. Another thing that might be helpful for people to think about is, especially the people who like don't want to be wasteful, think about like what good your clothes might do if you donate them. They're not doing really any good (laughs) in your closet and they might be like really helpful for someone else. There are nonprofits that are. Totally geared towards this. There's dress for success. There's another one for bridal dresses, your kids' stuff. If you've got like a huge gap between your kids, that's like another one where maybe like some other kid is going to benefit by having your big kids' clothes and Mm -hmm. you've got the space to make your small space work until your kid gets big enough. And maybe you can just have the faith that there's going to be another family who wants to give you hand me downs when the second kid finally reaches that like clothing Mm -hmm. stage. So just sort of like thinking about your clothes out there doing good Mm -hmm. (laughs) and being used and like having a useful life can Mm -hmm. be helpful for the people who are thinking about waste. And there's a clock ticking there. The longer you wait to donate something, the less likely it's going to be desirable to someone else, Mm -hmm. particularly some things like office clothes or like wedding dresses or evening dresses where like styles change. And. If you hang on to it for 10 years, it's not long enough for it to be cool and retro. It's just out
1: of style. What I've started to do now, because I have admitted I love clothes, this is probably the area that got me into so much trouble and so much debt prior to becoming a minimalist or pursuing a minimalist lifestyle. And so it's something that originally I just had to stay out of stores when I started pursuing minimalism. And now when I go into the stores, I feel pretty confident that I won't necessarily make a frivolous purchase, but it doesn't mean I don't like some of the stuff that I see. So that said, if I go into Well, I might see something or I'll see something online and say, oh, I really like that. I'm gonna add that to my wish list. I'm gonna wait on it for a couple of weeks. And if I still want it after a couple of weeks, I'll go to Poshmark, try and sell a couple of things or Facebook Marketplace. And I won't buy something typically until I have the money from a sale to buy that new thing. And I also always look for discount codes too. If you go to the website for something and there's a little chat bot you can talk with, you can say, Hey, I want to get this, but I want a discount code. And oftentimes the chat bot will give you a 15 or 20% off.
0: That is a great tip. Yeah, Um, I also love the idea of doing the resale in advance, like making, saying like, okay, like if I want this, I've got to make the space and also like the funds to like buy. That's a really great way to do it, which I have not tried and I might take on myself.
1: Well, we spend money often we don't have. And so we'll say like, I'm going to get this money. I'm going to work this week. I'm of course going to have this money in the bank. And so I'm just going to get this now because the money will be there. But it might not be. Like something could happen and the money might not be there. So my husband's always said like, make the money first and then make a decision of what to do with it after. I want to mention at the end of your Substack, you have a couple of articles, which I'll be sure to link in the show notes as well. They're both about how to give away our clothes in a sustainable way and to also just be thoughtful and considerate. So you have one, Americans throw away too many clothes, poorer countries are left with the waste. So that article goes through just how to be more ethical and thoughtful. And I think that something like Poshmark or Facebook Marketplace, when we can kind of keep it here and allow people to use it, I know at some point that that item is going to wear out. It's going to be needed to be disposed of. And that is something to consider at the very end of a garment's life. But oftentimes we're just like getting rid of stuff right after we Purchase it and then it ends up in other countries and it's their problem and it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. So that's a good resource for people. And then the other one you have is from Wirecutter. It's purging old clothes. Here's how to responsibly donate and repurpose your cast offs. And it just talks about not giving your ratty sweatpants or a stained, a pit stained t-shirt away, and you should have respect for the potential future recipient. So just things like that, that I think we need to consider. And then if we do have those items, again, I usually just throw them away. I know that some of that stuff is just burned up, which again, it's a problem. We're not going to have an answer a solution for everything. But if you can just take a little bit of forethought, you might find a better place for your, I was going to say waste, but for the things you no longer need.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, don't donate something you actually know to be garbage. Another thing that I think people don't think about, or it's worth mentioning is that before you do donate things, make sure they're in a condition that like, they're not going to get put in the trash pile because like a button is missing and like taking that little like extra step to like donate things the way you would like give them to your friend. Kids sneakers like your kid grows out of them so fast they look so heinously trashed but if you put them in the washing machine and just wash them on cold and let them air dry like they're gonna look like possibly back to like good enough that someone wants them conditioned and like that might be the difference between someone like wanting to buy those at a thrift store the thrift store keeping them for resale and it going like into the like dumpster that's bound for the landfill Yeah. so to be like also like when you're donating make sure you're handing things off in usable condition mm-hmm. and I would also mention buy nothing groups yes. are amazing yeah. that is just like many communities i wouldn't just say every community has one mm-hmm. of these they're run through facebook and mm-hmm. it's just a community of neighbors giving away and asking for things for free no money exchanging hands and if you post like i've got a bag of 6 month to 18 month baby clothes does anybody want them I'm like i promise <laughs> mm-hmm. someone's going to come and like pick them up from your home and be so excited that they just got a like big bag of free baby clothes, mm-hmm. and you don't even have to like figure out which charity is like taking baby clothes. Mm-hmm. So, Buy Nothing Group is another great way to like responsibly offload some
1: of the things that yeah, you know, no longer serving your family. Actually, filling that need for sure. You also say you'll save your energy for something more important, and you talk about just if we have an idea of what we're gonna wear, and we even have a uniform. I know a lot of celebrities have done this, or a lot of people. There's someone that in fashion, I feel like. I can't think of who it is, but she wore a black turtleneck, I think, every single day.
0: Steve Jobs (laughs) famously wore a black turtleneck every every day. Maybe that's who I was thinking Um, of. And I will actually say that my spouse pretty much wears a uniform. Okay. (laughs) It's either a polo shirt or a button-down shirt and like khaki or olive pants, and that is it. Yeah. (laughs) And I envy him that like ease of getting dressed every day like I think the idea of a uniform is appealing but probably not realistic for most people especially like as you're editing and Mm -hmm. as you're getting to that like place of a closet full of things you love and love to wear One thing I do recommend, though, is just, like, if you're embarking on this, Mm -hmm. like, wear it. Whatever it is, force yourself to, like, put it on and wear it somewhere. Like, if you're keeping it because you think you might wear it, actually do it. Like, see how you feel. And it can be very clarifying. My friend Jenna, I gave her that advice. And she, there were a couple things that she tried, she wore to work, and she was like, gosh, I realized, like, the reason I never wear that is I don't have any pants that work Mm -hmm. with it or whatever... It is like, there might be a reason it's in that like forever, never worn category. Mm -hmm. So like actually forcing yourself to like put on the maybes and like take them out. It's really a good way to like let go of things. And then I also think that another sort of clarifying exercise is pay attention to like what you do wear. You know, maybe it's a week, maybe it's two weeks and like just for yourself snap a selfie Mm -hmm. of whatever you put on that day. And like your uniform might emerge. You might be Mm -hmm. like, Oh gosh, I actually pretty much every day wear jeans and a tank top. Like that's it. And that can like help you then maybe like edit down some of those outliers that are like
1: never going to be in the constant rotation. Yeah, absolutely. I should do a reel on this. I have a tip for people and what you can do now with the iPhone. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but you can go into the iPhone, go into the iPhone photos, type in your name. It's going to have a collection of images of you. So Diane, you copy it. And then I have a note app in my phone where you go in. So that was an outfit. I'll show it to you in just a second. Casual look, dinner out. Look, I just posted that picture of me in that dress under casual look. So I have these little copy and paste of me and the outfits that I like. So when I don't know what I want to wear for a different event, this sounds really overthought, but for someone that likes clothes and likes to look good when she goes different places, I have lazy slash nature So I have my lazy outfits, my dinner out, casual looks, and it's just like, oh, I don't know what to wear. Oh, I have these images of myself and these clothes that I like, and I have a little notes app. So again, I might try and do a reel for people so that they can see what I'm talking about since they're not here with us today, but that's been really helpful for me to say like, let's use up what we have in our closets. And I like your idea of when we do go through and declutter, when you pull everything, Everything out. You're going to have the absolutely not pile. You're going to have the absolutely yes. But then we have this limbo of clothing that we aren't wearing. And I know some people will flip the hanger around and say, I'm going to give this three months. If I don't wear it, then it's out. But I think forcing ourselves to use those maybes and wear those maybes out, will see, maybe you can say, hey, if I don't get a compliment today, then this outfit's gone. If you want to put it on other people or just See how you feel about it. Or, like I said, some of those maybes, you can go back and say, How did I wear it in the past when I did wear this? And then utilize that as a resource for yourself.
0: And then, another like the hanger thing one thing that I like to do too is when you've like maybe got a pile of maybes you're not ready to get rid of, instead of having that like bag of stuff (laughs) in your closet on the floor that you're kind of like waiting to decide to donate, you can stash it in your luggage in out of site place and you can just sort of literally pack it. And it is so much easier if you let like two or three months pass, like you open up something that's been out of sight and look at the clothes again. you're going to say, yeah, like I'm ready. And I think that another thing to think about too, is like, it's not just us. It's also our kids. I've been really mindful not to buy too many things for my son for like the last three or four years. Because in those early years, we got hand me downs, we got gifts, and I didn't really like ever consciously try to keep what he had to a minimum. And it's like it's a lot to manage. Yeah. It's a lot to keep tidy in the drawer. Like it makes like you able to wait on the laundry a little longer and then laundry day is like such a disaster and by keeping our kids wardrobes more minimal as well I find that it like just makes everything easier like it makes it easier to manage how to store it it makes it easier to manage laundry day and the truth is like kids grow out of things so fast
1: I'm trying not to be overly redundant in the information I'm giving in this episode. But again, that second life of seeing my kid's clothing on a family member or a friend makes it slightly easier to detach from because I'm still seeing it and it reminds me of a special time for my life. So that's been really helpful for me in in letting go, which you talk about. And for me, that feels like that's my plan to phase it out. Like it's not totally gone and out of my life, but I'm seeing it again, have a new life.
0: Yeah. And then with phasing things out too, neither you or I would like suggest anyone get rid of everything they don't love all in one go, because you might not have anything left to wear. (laughs) This is, it's ongoing work. It's work that like you're always doing with your own clothes, especially with kids' clothes. You have to stand top of it because without fail, closet gets full again. And like, you're back in the same feeling of like, you can't find the things you love because you have all this other stuff.
1: Yeah. What do you mean by jettison the outliers? One thing that, like, I
0: do like to do both for myself and for my kid is to sort of have a a loose color palette that I shop within. And that makes it so that more things go with more things. That can be like whatever is your personal color palette. So for me, like, Over time, I've like narrowed down, down, down to like the sort of colors that are my colors. And then I kind of do the same with my child. That's great for him too, because then when he gets dressed, everything kind of matches. And what's my style? What's my palette? Yeah. There are going to be some things that are like way outside of your central core closet. Mm -hmm. And those things are like the things that you never wear because they're so hard to make work with the other things. You're going to probably end up wanting to donate the things that don't vibe with like the rest of your wardrobe and like getting rid of those things that like you might wear maybe once in a while but are so hard to work in like just frees you up to like have a bunch of things that like really work for
1: you yeah absolutely a couple more things I wanted to touch on before we wrap up is you say to find a style icon and I think for those of us that again do love clothes some people are not as attached to clothes they again they can do the uniform or they just have a very simple wardrobe, but for those of us that do like clothing and care about that kind of thing, what do you mean by find a style icon? So this is an idea that I stole from my friend, Shira
0: Gill, who Uh is an author and a professional organizer, something she recommended. And it really worked for me. Like just if you have like a Pinterest board full of photos you love, it can be hard to sort of define like what is your style. But like if you have a style crush, like somebody who you just love the way they dress, you love their look, you can sort of like zero in on them and then like ask yourself, like would my style Crush wear this, and like a lot of the time, you'll be like, "Ooh, no, Mm -hmm. she wouldn't." And it'll help you decide for yourself. So for me, I have like two. One is Margaret Howell, who is this British clothing designer, and she's just like to me very chic, very timeless. A lot of like menswear-inspired things that are just like I don't know. I love the way she dresses. And then my other one is Georgia O'Keefe. With those women in mind, I can be like, "Oh, like." Would Georgia wear this? and like some of the things are like such a no and like that's okay like I can admire a piece of clothing Mm -hmm. um and like I gave the example of like Doen and Christy Dawn these like prairie dresses like Mm -hmm. very romantic it's so beautiful it's hard not to love it but like it's not me and it's okay to like love something maybe you even want to like pin it to your Pinterest
1: board that's all it is mine is Jenna Lyons because I'm 5'11 I think she's 5'11 or six feet tall. And I love the way her clothing looks. Like you said, it's slightly androgynous, menswear inspired. And I love that. But Realistically, in my day-to-day, I'm in nature half the week. I'm not going to be wearing this oversized button-up with these really nice jeans and a kitten heel. So maybe one day in the future, that will be me. But I think we can also have style icons. We can pull in elements of them to help with our wardrobe, but that's not our whole entire wardrobe. Maybe in my next season of life, that'll work. I also want to keep it real with one of the last things that you put in here. You say, try the X test. And I love that you added this in here because I feel like it's really honest and we've all had this thought at some point, but you say, ask yourself if you would want to run into your ex wearing this item. And yes. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> that's something that, and I,
0: I wish I could give credit where credit is due writing for a magazine about organizing, a professional organizer once told me that. And I was like, that is a very clarifying litmus test. And even if you're like me and you, mom's married for a long time, I think it like that still resonates, but it could also be like your old boss or some professional colleague that you wish to impress. You can fill in the blank there of who your your litmus test is, but the X test is surprisingly effective.
1: Yeah, I just think it's fun. And I've not ever heard it when talking about decluttering, but I think we have to pull from any area that we need to. If we are needing to get things out, sometimes you just have to think about these obscure thoughts to help get the things out. I'm not opposed to pulling out all the cards. I mean, it's
0: if you live, gosh, not even if you live in a small space, if you live anywhere, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's constant work to keep our homes from getting overwhelmed by stuff, whether it's Clothes or toys or whatever. Like the business of editing is ongoing. This reminds me, I was re- I can't remember what I was reading. I think it was, maybe it was one of the Remodelista books. They used the word prune um, mm. to refer to decluttering. And I liked it. I often say edit. I hate. Purge because of the sort of negative associations there. But pruning that was a great metaphor for decluttering because when you're pruning, you're getting rid of the excess, but you're also like shaping the future. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very forward-looking act, which is how I would encourage people to think about decluttering as well.
1: Absolutely. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to share from that sub stack? I actually, for later this fall, I am
0: working on a piece that is sort of tangentially related about the endless allure of this idea of a capsule wardrobe and like why we're all drawn to that. That'll be a future installment of Substack if this is a topic people are interested in.
1: Cool. Well, obviously be sure to link your Substack in the show notes, but where else can listeners find you if they want to connect with you online?
0: Right now, Substack's the best place, but Instagram, I'm also there as laura.alice.fenton. And of course, like my book's still out there and on Amazon and bookshop.org and all those places.
1: Awesome. Well, since we haven't connected in a while, I'm going to ask you the two questions again. Okay. The first one is, what's been a beneficial resource to you that you want to share with the listeners?
0: I think relating to this topic, Shira, my friend who I mentioned, who is the one who had the idea of the style crush. Her book, Minimalista, is a really comprehensive, great guide to living a more minimal life that I would recommend. And she has a new book coming out and she has also recently joined Substack. So
1: shouting out to Shira. Yeah, her book, Organized Living, she's coming on to talk about, I think I'm interviewing her on Monday. So that that episode as well. I think yours are kind of back-to-back episodes here. So they're both beautiful books too. So Shira's a wealth of information and I'll be sure to link those in the show notes as well. Okay, well, my last question for you is what is something you can't stop talking about?
0: I just, I'm loving Substack, and it is for me in this stage of life. I've got like Instagram burnout, and I am much more interested in hearing from a few people that I follow in a more in depth way. And some of my just like favorite people from Instagram, favorite writers like, there's so many interesting people coming to Substack, and I I'm loving it. Erin Boyle, who writes Reading My Tea Leaves recently, moved to Substack. And it was like, I fell back in love with her writing all over again in a way that like somehow like I wasn't getting there to read her blog and like I follow her on Instagram, but like there's something about the newsletter format and being able to like just pick a few people that I relate to and then hear from them and like read it when I want to read it and like not have to have the algorithm bury it is totally groovy for me right now.
1: Absolutely. Like you and I, I feel like this is the perfect bow on this conversation because prior to recording, you and I were talking about our love of Substack and I'm like, do I head over there for minimalist moms? What's that going to look like in the future for me? And I think you're right. I love getting a more in-depth look into people because Instagram, it is, it's so fast paced. And I feel like I kind of want to get back to that whole, what does it look like for me to sit with coffee in the newspaper? I'm not doing the newspaper anymore, but I can kind of curate who I'm reading in this fun, modern way while still getting that depth. So that's why I really appreciate it too.
0: I mean, I hate to say this. I'm a woman who makes her living as a writer. The
1: magazines have been letting me down lately. Yeah.
0: They don't have enough time. And it's, and maybe it's me and like who their audience is now, but that feeling of like reading and like feeling a connection on deeper level is definitely for me finding on Substack. So I would love it if you came over and we have a whole separate conversation about Substack.
1: Well, I will, again, go check out Laura's Substack. That's where I found this article, would you say? Are they articles, essays? What is it called? Newsletter. Newsletter. I don't know.
0: My mom's calling them a blog. Okay.
1: Well, (laughs) this newsletter, again, I'll link this one specifically if I can in the show notes. Otherwise, go deep dive through some of her archives, subscribe, and thank you for joining me today. All right. Great talking to you, Diane. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online.